Welcome everybody in to the Coffee and Codecast, episode number 33, live from the Pioneer Square District in Seattle. This is the Coffee Codecast, where we talk about neither coffee or code. I'm Kyle Johnson. And I'm Mike Sheehan. Hey, Kyle. Welcome, dude. 33, already in the books here today. Welcome to Gomer. I see him online here. Oh, boy. <laughs> Kyle already Party spilled right his there. beer on the keyboard. <laughs> you better try that off. That's a company keyboard, I think. All right. Too. You got to keep the show running. All right. Get some paper towels. Get the f- Hurry up, buddy. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> uh, we got a good one for you guys today, though. We're going to be talking about... Uh, where is this thing at? Um, I can't believe you just did that. Uh, tonight... <laughs> I can't believe you did that, dude. Um, tonight, we're going to be talking about uh, my recent trip on a Delta flight with the new Delta 2KU high-speed internet. And uh, that was a fun experience, streaming MLB in the air. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, being a people manager versus a project manager and kind of uh, the different qualities and and uh, objectives uh, between the two types of management there. And we have so, uh, quite a bit of news that we need to catch up on here. It looks like there's been uh, some acquisitions, some new players in the podcasting space that we want to talk about, and some stuff that we've been putting off for a few weeks because I think we had a guest last week, some other stuff. So we're going to catch up on some old news um, Alexa powered earbuds, iPad external display. And if we have time, maybe talk about a little cougar hunting. Thanks for saving my bacon. Wow. I wish I had the videos for that. That's a good segue actually, because we just talked this morning about getting the videos, the video cameras purchased for the podcast. So we, uh, we've got a new budget coming in here. And so I think we're going to get this new streaming video device so we can, uh, yeah, damn alcohol abuse is right. That's what going, <laughs> he, he knows you too well. Oh. He's got your number. Uh, yeah, but we we are going to get some camera equipment in here, probably not next week, but the week after it should get here. And so um, that would have been fun to capture that. That would have been great. But it's a good nice. thing because we have faces for radio, I've been told. Yeah, yeah, I'm still hurt by that, Brad. But you know what's great about this now? I have this wonderful Surface Book 2, I think it's called, and it has this like nice plushy feeling laptop cover on it so now it's going to smell like beer so it's going to just be like a nice fragrance every time i open hey, it. hey if anybody had any suspicions before like you've just handled that those questions for them now <laughs> all right make no mistake about it i think um, i got this mess cleaned up here that was pretty classic yeah well good let's jump into some things here you know i was I, i'm going to start out a little bit because i i was on the road uh i was in arizona last weekend um i don't want to delve into this too much but i i it's worth mentioning, I think, just because of the time of the year and, and whatnot. And I haven't really talked about this a whole lot, but it was uh, you know Saturday, April twentieth was the the twentieth anniversary of Columbine, the Columbine shootings. And I, and for those that don't know, I was a student there at that time. I was a junior in ninety nine when that happened, and uh, there was a lot of uh, activity all last week about the events that were happening in Littleton and happening uh, around the school. It was it was a big event, and um, so there was a lot of um, talk on Facebook and a lot of things happening. And I just wanted to kind of get, get away for a little bit. You know, I, I didn't want to be in my apartment all weekend and I really wasn't feeling up to going to some of the things out there. I I kind of, when I left, I kind of got away from it. And so I'm still connected to some of the people there, but I really don't participate much. And, um, that's just where I'm at personally with it. And so I ended up going to Scottsdale and had a really good time with a good friend of mine and, and met up with on Saturday, um, a really old friend of mine that I that I went to high school with, uh, Melanie, and we used to work together at Dairy Queen. Uh, our first job in in high school, serving DQ blizzards upside down over over people's heads and shit like that. 
And uh, it was really cool. Like I, we reconnected about a month and a half ago when I was out in Arizona and uh, reached out again and let her know I was in town. And so she was having uh, a little pool party at the house for her two-year-old son. And uh, it was really nice. We had a little get together. We sat out at the pool, had a few beers, reminisced a little bit, called a few friends of ours, did some FaceTiming and it was uh, it was a pretty nice little getaway. Was, uh, when you messaged me and told me that you had met up with her, I, I actually felt really good about that. That was kind of cool. Like I think originally you had scheduled the the trip itself to just kind of be a lazy hang at the pool, take a load off, you know, relax, do that sort of thing. Not 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 do the typical thing and traveling and just kind of like run around constantly, right? Yeah, so was, no agenda and just really kind of some R and R and get some sun. So I just messaged you, you know, asking how's the pool, how's it looking, you know, whatever, you feeling relaxed, you got a drink in your hand, whatever, and you had mentioned that you had met up with her, and we're hanging out, and I had actually read, you know, there was a number of things going on, there was kind of the crazy woman that was obsessed with Columbine and that sort of thing, that all went down pretty recently, like right right before that. It was, a, it was the week before, yeah, I think like Saul, yeah, Pais, I don't remember her, but she, yeah, there was a gal that had got from Florida that came to Colorado had purchased some one-way flights, caught the FBI's attention, right? Uh, that it was kind of a fiasco leading up. They canceled a bunch of schools. I think all the schools in Denver yeah. Metro were closed Yep, because of that event. Yeah. So, yeah, I think, you know, from, from a personal standpoint, it like made me feel good that you had somebody there that, number one, knows what it feels like to be involved in that, right? Like, nobody knows. Like, we, we, we talked about this a little bit this sure. week. Is like, you know, people are like, oh, man. Sorry, I didn't know that, right? Like, they don't know what to say. Because, like, that's a major, like, American event. Yeah, it's a very, it's it's somewhat, uh, it's a taboo thing to talk about. It's just always very uncomfortable. I don't mind because I've talked about it a lot. But for everybody else, it's a very uncomfortable thing. You know, it's like, what do you say? You don't want to offend. Yeah, you don't want to offend. And you don't, you know, my brother, I thought he had the best example because I talked to him on Monday morning and he said, listen, man, I thought of you, but I didn't know what to say. And I didn't really reach out. I hope you're not upset. I didn't know what to say. We're like happy 20th. Like, what do I say to that? And I, I said, you know, you're in a situation that I, can, I think everybody can relate to is that it's not one of those things you just bring up and know what to do or what to say. And I think the thing that's kind of interesting about that is like, not only do, do people feel kind of uh, uncomfortable in approaching you about it but i think you probably have the same feeling on the other side like what do i say yeah right? like, oh yeah i think i think what's really hard from my perspective is that i always i catch that vibe of discomfort and so my reaction to that is to try to make it a little more um upbeat i mean it sounds kind of perverse to say that but i i try to not make it so down in the dumps or try to put a spin on it to Oh, don't feel bad. Or, you know, there was this upside or this, this came out of it. You know, I have a very hard time articulating just the facts because they are really difficult to talk about. Sure. But, um, but anyway, that's not what the point of this whole thing's about. It's just that it was really nice to go back there and see her. And we had a really nice time, uh, poolside and, and reminiscing about our high school days and, and college days and that sort of thing. And a lot of people posting on Facebook, old photos and that sort of thing. So it was really nice that we could be together for that. Really appreciated that. Um, what I was talking about on the technology side is that I flew out and back on Delta and both flights had that new 2KU high-speed internet, which was fantastic. So I mean, what, is, what, is, fantastic. what is 2KU high-speed internet? So I don't know what that means. It's some kind of spectrum or some kind of satellite technology. Uh, essentially what it is, it's it's... 
a big enough bandwidth that you can stream video on the plane. Um, and so you can go to go, go in flight still like they provide it on Delta and, um, you know, it's a little more expensive, but you can get just the regular texting package or the light browsing package, or you can get the full on streaming package. It's $25 a flight for that or $10 an hour. Um, and so I said, well, fuck it. I'll try it for an hour. And so I got that for 10 bucks and threw up the old MLB TV on my iPad and was watching like a baseball game. <laughs> I think I showed you the photo, like drinking, drinking some vodka sodas and watching baseball on the flight out there. That's pretty incredible considering back in the day you would send, well, even, even on this flight you were, you were able to use, SM, uh, well, not SMS, it was iMessage on the iPhone and I sent you an image and you couldn't get the image, but yeah. you had right next to you an, an iPad playing streaming video no Go problem figure, dude because <laughs> yeah it's it's a little backwards right now i think there's a lot happening with there's different pla- like packages you can get and shit like that on my phone i have t-mobile so i'm able to get one hour of free texting and wi-fi but it's got to be obviously it's throttled because it sucks right like i can send text messages but anytime there's an image or anything like that it just gets hung up and doesn't do anything and well and prior to this 2ku like they would even specifically say when you signed up or went to the gogo in flight page it would say like oh you cannot stream netflix you cannot stream x y or z right they yeah would, they advertise that yeah w- well they do for tku but like uh before that before they had that available before mm. it was just like the straight satellite or whatever they had before like you couldn't like Could it, not, and, and yes. it very very clearly stated like this will not allow streaming right yeah it was such a low bandwidth thing that they would restrict that type of uh you know that type of traffic it would, they would just block it from the firewall from coming in so yeah like it's a huge improvement um I was impressed that the plane out and the plane back had it. So I think Delta's done a really nice job upgrading their fleet. I know Alaska made announcements a couple of years ago. They'd be going through and redoing their, I think their, their Boeing fleet. Uh, they were going to be upgrading all those this year. But I've yet to see it on an Alaska flight, to be honest. I haven't seen it on a single one yet. So maybe it's just a little bit delayed. So tell me a little bit more because I think, as I understand, you uh, maybe are not such a loyal Alaska customer these days. Are you outing me in front of every, every like? Every, everybody <laughs> i caught myself <laughs> are you outing me on air kyle maybe uh i did i did have a moment well i i think i told you what happened is that i've been looking at i'm already on track for status on alaska again i'll get mvp gold probably not unless i really ratchet it up and do some bigger trips so what are the what are the tiers of status on alaska so you have mvp and then you have gold MVP gold and MVP gold 75k. Okay. And so there's uh, different rules that aren't really worth hashing out, but it's just like how many miles do you get? 20,000 gets you MVP, 40,000 MVP gold, 75,000 MVP 75k. And with that you get different kickbacks or deals. So like for me last year hitting gold I got had gotten um, 50,000 partner miles. So not all the miles were on Alaska, so they make it a higher bar. But you can still get it. And so I got it through a few other partner airlines, Condor, going to Frankfurt. Um, anyway, I, I got a discount to the lounge pass that way. So I got a little bit of a, a, a break on the lounge for a year. Um, and then you accrue more miles, too. So for every flight you take now is an MVP gold. If it's like 1,000 miles, you might get 1,500 miles credit for that. Kind of a thing. But... Uh, the last few of these trips I was taking to Arizona, I was looking at the prices on Alaska and they were double. Like this trip would have cost 800 bucks cash on Alaska if I would have gone for the same times that I went on Delta. And, uh, you know, it got me thinking it'd be nice to have maybe another status. 
besides Alaska. So yeah, that's all. I I, I got a couple of credit cards. <laughs> a couple. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I pretty much am on par now with Delta as Alaska. So I've got 125,000 Delta miles coming my way, and um, I'm most of the way to status on on that airline as well. So I might, I may have been benefiting from this as well. I might have got you some did. referral miles. You fucking here. did benefit from this as well. It's the only reason why I got two cards because I felt bad for you. I appreciate the uh, <laughs> the hit on your credit there for the extra card. It's it's fine. It'll all wash out in the end. There. <laughs> uh, it is kind of nice to have both options because they, you know, Delta of course is really deeply connected internationally, whereas Alaska is great in the Northwest, but there's not a lot of other places you can go, and their their partnerships are dwindling. They they still have Alaska. Sorry, they have American still, but a lot of the other partnerships they've had, they've really tightened the, their grips on that and, and, and not not keeping those deals going. Well, and we talked about this a little bit when we were over, over at Casco here per, previous to the uh, the cast here. We had a few margs, hence why I dumped my beer over on my laptop. That was but, great. Uh, <laughs> we were discussing just like Delta's planes are, are like, seem to be like super, super nice, usually very well maintained, very well kept. Their technology is great. The apps, fantastic. Their lounges, I think you said, are better than Alaska's or at least seem to be in the places that you've traveled. Well, and I think Alaska has done a great job renovating the the lounges. Like the Sea Lounge at SeaTac is fantastic. It's a nice lounge. It's very bright, open, airy. Um, but yeah, like the Delta, the newer Delta lounges, they're really like showpieces. I mean, the, the new one in uh, Phoenix Sky Harbor, it, it wasn't open last time I was there. So I was there six weeks ago. It had not been... Uh, completed but when this weekend it was open and so we popped in and the whole thing about it is just very classy um you know they're in their large spaces too and so they have wonderful lovely furniture like the chandeliers everything is really high class and they have a better food offering too uh i find like alaska is nice and i like I, I like it still and the pancake machine and all that kind of shit. <laughs> I didn't know there was nice. a pancake. Oh, machine. <laughs> they all have pancake machines. So. I thought that was the holiday Inn. Oh, well there too, man. Like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I guess the way I would say it is that it just seems to me it's, it's probably more family oriented. The Alaska lounges are maybe, okay. I don't know. I, I don't know if that's the right way to put it. I just think that some of their decor, it's a little more like fun and whimsical. Whereas like a Delta lounge is going to be uh, more of that professional business class kind of a thing. And so it's Got a little it. more buttoned up, a little more formal, less casual. And they have um, a nicer selection of items. Nice. And we're both now reserve card holders as well. Delta reserve, which yeah. is, I think their top line. Well, top, yeah, there may be some hidden one that you don't get to know about, but yeah, you got to make a lot more for that. Top of the line consumer credit card. Yeah. Get access to the lounge for free. You do. You get you get access to the lounge for free. Um, I think you can bring guests for an additional cost. Um, you get uh, your companion fare, which you get with all the credit cards. Well, at least the the platinum, but the reserve allows you to get a first class ticket uh, yeah. companion fare if you buy the first one, right? Whereas the other one is uh, like coach class, right? Companion. Yep. Yeah. So. I did. I kind of went big on this trip, so I, I bought clear on my way to the airport. Oh. Which you get a discount through Delta as well. I do. You get, yeah, with that card, you get, I think, 100 bucks off or something. I don't know what it is. Maybe you pay 100 you get 80 bucks off, something like that. Um, but, you know, I, I will say this. I know that five years ago, I wouldn't have even imagined justifying the cost of something like that. Because really, in order to have clear, you have to have pre-check. So you're already in for the pre-check, 85 bucks, right, for five years. 
And then if you want to go to clear, it's another 179 full price a year. But I'll tell you, like my mom was telling me, she had to go on a business trip last week from Denver and traffic was bad and she got, finally got rid of the car and got in there and she's in her heels and she's got her luggage and she's trying to get to the gate. And Denver has like kind of one central security checkpoint for yeah, everybody, right? right in the middle, right in the front. So it's, it, it's centralized and it can be a real pain in the ass depending on what time of day it is and what's going on. So yeah, she almost missed her flight. She was sprinting down the, you know, got off the train and was sprinting to the gate to make it and had like less than five minutes before they were going to close the door. And that's why I really do appreciate having this shit. Like we left the house at like 9.05 and by 9.30 we were in the lounge like drinking a beer. <laughs> that's um, excellent. Which is, which is kind of nice. Yeah, so, that's the way to do it. Kind of rambling on there. But yeah, the perks of the... Uh, the Delta Lounge is nice, and and the airline is nice, and it's just a good to have an alternative when Alaska is not convenient or their prices are a little bit off. I, I love Alaska; I think they're great. They do a really nice job. I don't really understand some of the anomalies in pricing. Like to be twice as much expensive on some of these flights I've looked at doesn't make sense to me. But um, maybe they have their own method to the madness there. I don't know. Delta's pushing hard into the Seattle area. They they pushed really hard. Uh, maybe our friend there in the slack channel has some thoughts about this considering he works in the aviation industry but he just said that his my miles can't stack up to his employee benefits well yeah he gets free flights as long as he's on standby oh dude what airline can you say uh, i don't know the answer can, to that can you tell me if not it's fine i don't have to say it online but so like to know. We'll, we'll have to circle up later and talk about that i'd be curious to know so the other thing that you had when you were in phoenix is i understand that you were seeing some cougars the animals yeah. Oh, 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 the other types. Oh. <laughs> <He's>, uh, <laughs> just calling me out on everything today. Well. Friday night was kind of fun. We did do that a little bit. It's, it's, uh, it's so the funny thing is, I mean, there's not much to say about this, but it was, but, you know, this was really kind of an R&R weekend and we were definitely out in the suburban area a little bit. <laughs> and so there's just not a lot of options for, <laughs> for people out there. It reminds me a little bit of Littleton, to be honest, like just... You know, it's 15 miles south of the city, south of Denver, and, you know, Scottsdale's kind of off the path a little bit uh, from Phoenix. But, yeah, you get some really interesting places in the strip malls down there and um, a lot of fun, a lot of nice places or great eats um, and that sort of thing. But, uh, yeah, we did go to this, like, what was it? It was uh, Cowboy Blues, which kind of sounds like it's kind of like a cowgirls down here, but it's only like on a on a Costco level scale. Like. <laughs> I mean, this thing's an ginormous, dude. It's It's got to be like a football field size bar. And they have live, you know, cover bands up front and all that kind of stuff. And it was more fun. People watching Patrick and I were, uh, were sitting outside by the misters, just kind of having a few drinks and just seeing like you got you got your Arizona, you know, meathead dude who's on like five different steroids, all jacked up, ready to go, wearing an extra small T-shirt. He's got his affliction on. Yeah, yeah, right. You know, they got the, they got a crew down there and uh and then the ladies are like, you know, like 40 40 something like divorcees that are just looking for love. So, oh, how are you doing? How you doing? <laughs> don't worry about it. It's my friend Slayer would say, "Don't worry about it." There you go. <laughs> so, it was fun people watching. We did meet a few people. We ended up hanging out with a group there. I uh pissed someone off by smoking a cigarette so i can, that's kind of how we got introduced but we had a nice time it ended up being a fun little evening the cougar hunt the old cougar hunt man yeah not to be mistaken with erotic photo hunt very different this would be more of the well 
it could turn into that at some point probably but <laughs> this was a very casual um yet interactive version of that yeah yeah always always interesting uh sightseeing out there that's for sure well very nice <laughs> all right let's move along from that there we go so today i thought we'd talk a little bit about management manage what do you man when you manage your beer over there that'd be the first step. that would be a, i could oh i almost did it again <laughs> <laughs> no no i knew lex sands like i can't believe you didn't know photo hunt i i did know photo hunt from uh, alvarado's erotic photo hunt i didn't know erotic photo hunt oh you didn't know yeah yeah nobody yeah. had blessed me with the knowledge and the beauty that is erotic photo oh hunt. dude i went for the tacos what would christina say? yeah sure I, and i go to hooters <laughs> for the wings too by the way if you didn't know um, what, what would Christina say if one of those showed up at your house, man? Would she? <laughs> You're just going to get me like one of those old legacy console tables. It looks like an old, like Atari hooked up to a <laughs> tube TV. Oh, there's a regular version by the way too. She oh, says. what does that mean? Just, it's not erotic. You can get it for like your console game. Like my Xbox, I can play erotic photo on. Well, it's no, well, no, that's not the regular <laughs> version she's talking about. She's saying you can, you can get it, uh, sans erotic. Oh, well, what's the fun of that? I don't know. Yeah. I'm not really sure what you do with one of those. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I definitely want to talk to Gomer about this. He's, he's giving me some deets. I'm not going to talk about it out on this oh, thing. But, uh, so you got some secret pro- pro- programs that you can get into? Yeah, I need to fly standby, too. Do you have a – can I get, like, a uh, friends and family standby pass? That'd be worth a few grand, probably. I'd pay for that. Maybe we need to bring him on to talk about uh, – flying and flying programs maybe he's got yeah. some insider knowledge well you know who'd be fun to talk to also is my um we're kind of deviating a little bit here that's fine we can do that um my my buddy Chaz. so Chaz is a cross-country coach at uh, cal berkeley and uh good friend of mine we ran cross-country in college together at creighton and knew each other in high school and whatnot and he is a uh, good friend well, a good friend of his uh is a pilot i don't remember who he's with now it doesn't matter like like longtime friend is a pilot, and so way back in the day, offered Jazz like one of his passes, like standby passes. I don't know if that's how it works anymore, but at the think of the time, like they had a certain allocation, like they each get a couple friends and family passes, or a certain number of people could buy into this thing, and it was like twenty five hundred bucks a year. But then you could fly standby everywhere, and he's had this thing for a number of years, probably ten years now, and. Like if he has time off, if he has like five days off or a long weekend, he'll just go to Cairo or he's been all over the world. I mean, he's been to dozens of countries and uh, he doesn't really pay for anything. He just shows up and pays 40 bucks to go international or something (laughs) like that. And it might take him two days to get home, but he'll figure it out how to do it. And boom. That sounds like a great way to do it. Sounds not not dissimilar to you, although you pay full price. Like the other day we were sitting in our. (laughs) That's very dissimilar to me. (laughs) (laughs) We were sitting in the office and like basically Fridays here tend to be pretty, pretty easy going. You know, work till noon, start drinking, that that type of thing. Yeah, totally. And uh, I'm in talking to the team and he's sitting right in front of me and I look down and he's messaging on his phone and uh, has, I think, the Alaska Airlines app up. Uh-huh. And uh booking a flight to somewhere and he's like, Oh, I felt like I was gonna be bored tonight. Maybe I'd go get a mileage run in. <laughs> Why not? Why not? Yeah, I'll just right. go to Florida for the evening. Why not? That sounds awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if you if you have the means uh and the time, yeah, why not? I would say go do it. Why not? Why not? 
You only live once. Right. The hell are we talking about? Management? What are we managing here? Management. <sighs> People we're versus not managing projects. time, I can tell you that. Actually, I think we're, we're tracking quite, quite nicely. <laughs> okay. Well, because last week we had a guest on, and it's been a while since we had a guest, and Mike uh, Davis from our Sacramento office was on here talking to us a little bit. I mean, I thought that went really well, but we kind of rushed it in the beginning. I was worried because we jumped into the topic like 12 minutes in and then somehow... To be fair, you jumped into the topic. I don't think I did. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, that's right. I was a little jittery and nervous or something and just kind of ran right through it. Thank you to Mike for being on the show. Not you, Mike. Mike Davis. Yeah. Thanks, Mike. That was great. Great insights. Appreciate your insights on the show. I thought that was really cool. I'm looking forward to more of that too. We're, We're teeing up the next couple, so we're getting closer to having that... Uh, materialize here, which I'm very excited about. Some good people coming on. Let's hope. So being a manager. Yeah. We talked a lot about this uh, over at the uh, bar across the street here. Is this going to be a new trend too? We can do a little pre-funk. I mean, the post-funk has always been enjoyable, but maybe the pre-funk might be more interesting. I mean, it was fun. I like it. I I might have to get like a protective screen on my keyboard. We'll get you one of those like little, um, remember the keyboard covers they used to have? Oh, those are so gross. Well, they were like little plastic yeah. things that fit over all the buttons. Like soft plastic, and yeah. like they would just look brown because, like, yeah. yeah, they were nasty. Because they were covered in cigarette smoke <laughs> back in 85. <laughs> but they, they would keep all the food crumbs out of your... Well, you might need that for your MacBook Pro. I hear the laptop uh, or the, uh, the keyboard on that is pretty sensitive to dust. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't had that problem yet, but I've heard that this model in particular still is not fixed. But don't worry. A little, like, air, squirt, squirt, and you're good. Hopefully. Yeah. Or it just gets wedged in there even further. Maybe true. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, I digress. There's a lot of digressing going on here. Yeah. <laughs> now I don't even remember what the hell I was going to talk about. <laughs> You're doing great. <laughs> You're doing great. No, we had a good conversation at Casco about this. We were, we were talking about, the, I mean, the last, the theme over the last month or so around here has just been about like how to organize your teams and different ways you structure and. We're having some experience with a larger team now, and I think we're kind of getting to the point of management discussion where, um, you know, everybody's kind of, we're growing. And so now there's opportunity to really step up and take on some new opportunities. And so it's forced some conversations around management and what what does that look like and, and how do you do it? And if you're a technical person, what's different about managing people versus just um, being a technical PM or something like that? Yeah, I think we talked about a lot. You know, I'm a, I'm a pretty new manager, so a lot of this is new, and this is why we're talking a fair amount about this on the on the podcast. Is I'm very much a, a, a more of a people manager. I want to I want to be the I want to help my my reports be successful, both with projects that they're executing upon and in their career path. So I want to like push them forward, uh, unblock any way that I can unblock them, um, help them in any way that I can help them in terms of learning. Um, and push them forward, project them forward, and and let them kind of shine and take uh, a ton of success and not, I guess for lack of a better word, not take it upon myself. Like basically don't eat their success for myself, but like get, let them kind of shine and, and move forward in their careers and uh, progress in that way. So I think that's the difference that, that we talked about quite, quite at, at quite a length. Um, and you brought up a really interesting anecdote about your dad who worked... Yeah. 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 My, yeah. My father was in the restaurant business for the 15 year, a little over 15 years and kind of worked his way up. I mean, it was back in the day when, when loyalty was kind of a thing. I mean, you were very loyal to your company. And so he started out at the ground level 
working you know, like cleaning dishes and, and working as a uh, a line cook and then eventually became you know worked his way up to manager and ultimately to headquarters so it was like for the village and restaurants and uh, baker square restaurants if you're from the midwest there um like chicago area but anyway um yeah i think i think the point that he was trying to make is that it comes out like i think management can um put you in a vulnerable position like i i feel this at least because i have an opportunity maybe uh to lead some, I've had opportunities to lead people and, and considering maybe I want to do more that more of that. But, um, when you're the doer, you're kind of the guy that like it rises and falls on you. So you get all the credit or you get all the blame, but either way, it's kind of like you're in control of your own destiny that way. And I think when you kind of get further removed from that, uh, from what I've heard from other people and what I've had a little experience on is just that like now you have less control and it's really about how you empower your, your team and help them out and get the roadblocks out of the way but you're no longer in direct control of of the success of the product that way, right? It's a kind of a different different way that you're in control of that. And you have like you have some control in that you can delegate, right? You can you you're not the you're not the pusher. Like you can't go out and and you're you're managing a project that's probably much larger than something that you can control anyway. So even if you went in and you were like, "Oh, I'm going to get this done myself," right? I'm going to go get this over the over the runway, right? Like yeah. you're not going to do it. It's too big. Yeah. Right. right. So you have to delegate to the people that that you can trust and can you can you feel can get you over the finish line, and so I find myself doing that a ton. Like that's something that I've had to adjust to myself. Um, you know, when when times get tough and you are feeling stressed, like the first thing is like that you think of is I'm going to go home and I'm going to work, you know, six hours or eight hours tonight, and I'm going to get this one thing done, right? And that'll get me there, right? But at some point, that's just not even possible anymore. Also, in the grand scheme of things, like you know, an eight-hour push like that is meaningless like it doesn't it doesn't really factor into a project when you have in my case when i have 11 people working on the thing like that's (laughs) that's a partial day for that entire team so like you've done really very little right yeah exactly right it just it's a much grander scale of things and so like what you could do as an individual contributor now is something you you couldn't do that anymore at the scale and and what i really appreciate about his thing this is something that really stuck with me over the years was that uh you know, he was a firm believer in really um, uh, not being afraid of having those under you be more successful than you, like bringing them up to their full potential. And I remember a good story that he had about taking over a plant in Omaha when we moved to Omaha uh, back in the 90s, like 989, 90. And uh, he was brought in to kind of turn this pie making facility around because it wasn't doing so well and they needed to change their, get their numbers in the right direction. And kind of go through some staffing and get rid of some people and clean house a little bit. And he went in there and he was very good at this. This is what he did for a number of years, like at various different facilities. So he came in to fix some problems and the assistant that he was working with, um, you know, he really liked this guy and, and could see a lot of potential with him, but there were some things I think that maybe needed improvement and, and whatnot. And I don't remember all the specifics. I was a kid when he was telling me about this, but I, it stuck with me over the years. And and I remember very clearly that, you know, it was at the one year review time and, and he sits this guy down and, you know, this guy's kind of a little nervous and maybe freaking out a little bit. And my dad told him, he's like, Hey man, like, um, you did a great job. I really love like the energy you're bringing to this group and what the change you're bringing. And, you know, I want to give you a raise and I want to help you out and I want to do whatever I can to make sure that you reach your goals. And the guy kind of had an emotional moment and got really teared up and, and 
expected the opposite. He expected to be fired because my dad maybe saw him as a threat or saw him as somebody that like was going to get in his way. And I think that's the downside sometimes is that you, if you're, if you want to be a good leader, then you have to be willing to put that aside and just really like try to help people reach their full potential. There's two types, right? There's the people that want to silo and want to protect kind of their territory, if you will. Uh, and then there's the, there's other people that want to want to push other people into other territories, right? So, like, I'll give you an example. Um, you know, you might have, you know, uh, somebody that you want to collaborate with, and instead of being like super collaborative, maybe they shut you down, they wall you off, mm-hmm. and they're like, "Nope, this is my territory, this is my ground." What are don't, you doing, stepping over here? Don't yep. you uh, encroach on my? Area. Yeah, exactly. Instead of being a collaborative attitude and like being like, "Oh, how can you help me?" You know, how can we collaborate on this particular issue? Nope. Instead, they like stonewall you and, and push you out and push you away versus, you know, an empowering person would would say like, hey, come on in. Let's talk about this. How can you help? What can we do together to make this better, faster? Right. Um, so I think there's a couple different ways that you can slice that. And I think that's exactly what he was trying to, to address in some of those ways. Yeah, I think so. And I think this isn't something maybe that you get out of the out of the gate. But I think as as you sharpen your skills over time um, and have more of a sense of uh, security, you're going to find that like if you're more insecure, right, that's going to be a natural thing is to to be more guarded right. and walled up. And I think if you are secure in yourself and know like, hey, like I know that I'm good at what I do and what I'm trying to accomplish here and I have a clear goal, then it's not a threat anymore. It's just like, look, I want to bring as many people around me uh, up because it's going to make us all better it's going to make the company better it's going to help help the team perform at a higher level and so uh very cool style of leadership and it's something that i've you know taken to heart 20 for 25 years i mean i remember that very clearly is one of the things that he always left me with I, I always remember that so i think to the same point too i i don't know where this has ever come from or where i heard it from but one of the things that i've always felt too is very like i've always felt is very important is in my short time in management and even before that, as a manager, I would always want to hire people that are smarter than I am. I don't feel threatened by that. I feel like that's the thing that you do to to empower the team that you are supposed to be leading to do the best thing possible, right? So why would you hire people that are not as good as you because you have some kind of insecurity, right? Yeah. So I'm very much of the mindset of like, you're better than me, great, that's fantastic. I want you to be, I want you to excel, I want you to be far better than me and I will hope hopefully help you get to wherever wherever it is that you're going versus being offended or being scared by or threatened well you were saying this earlier too I think it's a valuable point is that even though you were in that position at some point in time in the past like that's not your current role so it's also kind of silly to think that there's this competition because there really isn't like here's here's somebody that I'm bringing on at a technical level but my job isn't really to prove that I can handle what you're doing technically better than you. It's just, uh, I mean, heck our old, our old boss, Don was, uh, was this way as well. I think he was very good about being like, boys, I've really not been in the, uh, into the weeds in a while. It's been a few years since I've really been at that level, but you know, I'm here to guide direct empower, uh, whatever you need. And so I thought that was a really good example as well. I would agree with that. But then on the flip side, I would also say like, you can't be so disjointed or disconnected that you don't know what the technology is, right? Like, sure, you you could still maybe be a leader, but you also, especially in a technical role, you need to have some knowledge of what the technology is, so that you can help guide the conversation or shape the conversation for those that are there, and make informed decisions. Like, you you know, you got to know what these guys are talking about, 
um, if they're feeding you a line, you got to know it. Yeah, you got to know what you don't know, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, otherwise, you're just going to be getting the wool pulled over right. your eyes. The whole yeah, time. exactly. You can't allow that either. So there's a there's a happy medium in the middle somewhere. Um, you have to be pretty connected, but but you don't have to be like so, super totally in the technical weeds as all your people are. That's why you hire them. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I think it's great. I, I think it's exciting to talk about just because there is so much change and growth happening here as we've been talking about for weeks now, um, and it, it continues to be so, right? And and I'm always amazed and surprised at uh, new things that I'm learning. I mean, we always talk about back in 2012 when I came out and visited you and how I had no clue about all these things. And now, um, now that's kind of old hat, but there's all these other things that I have no idea about. And so it's just kind of fun to have people in the group now that um, you don't have to waste hours or days or weeks trying to figure this out. You can go across the wall and talk to somebody and they already know because they've done this thing a hundred times. Yep. And it's an interesting bit of a growth pattern too, because we, you know, we're both developers, uh, you know, and I've I've slowly made my way into the management track. So it's a transition. It's not been like totally clean. It's not been totally seamless. There's been problems. There's been successes, but uh, it's a story, just like anything else. So it's it's interesting to kind of relay and, and look back and reflect upon, and see what could we have done better. What could we, you know, how could we be better? Just and that's true of regardless if you're a manager or a developer, how, you know, and that's, I think the whole point of this conversation is like, how do we empower? How do we push people forward? How do we project those that are working for us? I guess you might say, um, to be better and to accomplish more. Right. I agree. And I, and I do want to add as well that because we we're talking about two particular tracks, technical versus people management. And I know that that's always been for me a hard thing, a hard reality. Like I, I don't want to accept that that's the only, it's not that binary, like that you can still be technical and be in management. You can do architecture or do other things. Um, now DevOps is another area you could get into. Um, right. So there's other, clearly there are other ways that you can do this. I think though that my attitude has shifted a little bit just because my, my value systems have changed from thinking that like the end all be all was development. Like that if you're a developer, then that's really all that matters and everything else is bullshit. And if those guys only understood like what you're doing, <laughs> what's going on down here, um, you know, like then we'd really be kicking ass and taking names. But you know, there's this tension between the two and, um, and I want to be down here and not up there. And I, and I think that that's shifted a lot in the last uh, recent times and in the last year and a half, two years specifically for me, uh, to see like, you know what, like to be able to orchestrate uh, groups of these people is actually a pretty powerful thing to do. And it's a big challenge. Well said. That's a that's a great way to describe it. I think I feel the exact same way. Like, yeah, you, I think back in the day you would think, oh, I can same type of deal, right? Like I can power out this code in 24 hours and I can create this amazing thing and this is going to be great. Right. Whereas now you're kind of at the point where you're like, well, I can again, or, like you said, orchestrate this team of, you know, let's say 50 people to create this crazy, huge, amaz amazing project. And like, that's valuable too, right? Whereas before I think you would just be like, oh, this manager's in my way, stay the fuck out of my way and let me do my job, right? But now I think there, there's, there's a more concrete value that you can see and maybe that comes with age and... And, uh, and it's the only way that you really get to solve bigger problems. Like the stuff that we were doing as like true. one one guy kicking ass was, maybe it was cool stuff and it was new, but it wasn't... Um, it wasn't on this scale. It wasn't on this level. And now all of a sudden when you have 11 people working towards something and you see just like what's happening day by day by day, like this thing is just exploding. You could never do that with a couple people. Right. 
It would never happen. It would take, I mean, what you're accomplishing in six weeks would take a guy a year and a half to get done. I don't know. Yeah. I love the, I love the, the concept of an orchestrator. Like I think I'm, not, I'm now thinking of like a conductor of an orchestra, right? right? Like before you're the, just the drummer over there beating the drum and just creating like the one sound. You might be a badass drummer, but yeah. what are you going to do? Yeah, exactly. Without everything else. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really not as impressive as if you have the whole crew. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Now you That's have this metaphor. amazing, beautiful, crazy sound yeah. all working together, all being super harmonious, which it's only harmonious sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, yeah. It's going to take a little more orchestration, <laughs> a little more practice. Yeah. <laughs> we have moments. We have moments uh, uh, that are very fleeting, but when they're there, it's, it's very exciting and emotional and powerful. But the rest of the time, it's usually um, a discord of some sort, you know, trying to get there. Yeah. It's interesting how experience changes your mind on that a little bit. Like, like you said, I think, I think, I, I came around to that too. Like, you know, I used to think that management was just kind of there and it was in the way and, and I could move much faster and get shit done much quicker and much easier, you know, back in the day. Uh, somehow or at some point I came around on that. Uh, and, and again, maybe it's age, maybe it's experience. I don't know what it is exactly, but now, now, now I'm on the other side of it and I definitely see the value of it and why there's, why there is the people there in those positions. Well, in part because there's more gray area now, too. I think that comes with experience and, and some wisdom. Uh, when I looked at it before, it was very binary. Like, you're either doing the hard work or you're just kind of watching people do the hard work is how I would look at it before. And to your point with the two tracks, so that's one thing that I think in the technology industry is maybe somewhat unique. So we currently have at least two tracks or maybe more, but, but you could be a developer or you can go up the management track. And they're, they're not necessarily more powerful one versus the other. It's just a different career path is yeah. the way that you would describe it. So maybe as a developer, you start as kind of like the junior guy. You work yourself to just being a regular developer, then a senior, then maybe a staff or a lead. Um, and there's an, a, 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 pipe, a pathway up that side of the chain. And then there's the same thing on the management side, right? You become a manager, you become a director, you become a VP, you become, you know, whatever. Um, so it's just they're they're just different pathways but they're both neither is necessarily like i don't know how you would say it more powerful than the other um and that's an interesting discussion that i think we've been having internally too is like uh you know we we have these management type meetings and that sort of thing so how do you bring in the, the the cream of the crop of the dev side because you know what those guys are at the top of their game they're doing their thing so you know they should be involved in in very important decisions more so than just code Right, they should be in organizational decisions as well. So there's a lot of really interesting conversations that are bubbling up, and it's been it's been a lot of fun to to be a part of those. Certainly exciting times here. I think we're gonna have a lot to talk about over the next few months because things are changing rapidly, and there's a lot of new blood coming through, and uh, a lot of good experience that we're able to harness here. So I think we have a lot of good things happening and new ideas. So I think uh, good time to be here, and a lot more to come on the topic of uh, management and tech and big teams. And we're hiring. So if, you, uh, if you're if you interested in working for Quote Wizard. Yeah, and not, not to mention here that we have offices in multiple locations, Sacramento, Denver, Seattle. I don't know how this would work, but we do have offices in New York and Chicago and Charlotte, Charlotte as well. Right. That might be a little bit of a stretch for working for Quote Wizard, but our parent company is out there as well. So you never know. We're kind of all over the place now. We are under the lending tree umbrella. Yeah. When banks compete, you win. 
That's right. But I, th- those opinions are not necessarily my employers. Those are just mine. <laughs> yeah, we better put that disclaimer in there. <laughs> Uh, very good, man. Well, I don't have a whole lot else to cover on the topic. I think that was a nice uh, conversation, just a continuation of what we were talking about earlier. And so I think this is going to be an evolving as as things change here. But, There's been uh, a lot of business talk lately. Hopefully, you know, I think that's fun too. But, you know, I think I need to get some more Tesla news in the in the show here. There's not a whole lot of good news. Well, they had their earnings call. They're, that didn't turn out so good. Did it? I didn't see the stock after that because that was just today, wasn't it? it yeah, I think they had a loss, an operating loss of hundreds of millions of dollars. Really? Yeah. They were expected to. They paid back some sort of debt. Oh, this thing. Well, you know, it's not crashing too bad. Let's look here. Man, there's definitely no spin news going around. I'm sorry, man. <laughs> no, what I think we were going to talk about is there's a, a new podcast app that, that was just recently launched. I think it was launched a day ago. Uh, it's called Luminary. And I'm not really that interested in the app itself um, other than to say that the app is trying to go down the route of, say, a Netflix or an Amazon or one of these types of companies where they're trying to, like, number one, it's a paid app. Yeah. So in order to be a part of the club, in order to use it to listen, stream, you have to be a paid subscriber. So that's number one. Number two, they're trying to implement uh, exclusive content. So they're trying to bring people in and force their hand to paying for their podcasts using exclusive content. They're going to have other podcasts as well, but in order to get these specific podcasts from these major celebrities is what they're trying to do, you're going to have to jump in and pay some some fee uh, to use the app, which is a very big change from the podcast industry. The podcast industry has always been, since Apple kind of created or brought podcasts into iTunes, it's always been a very open ecosystem, right? Like you use RSS feeds, which are effectively like a syndication mechanism. Um, and anybody could subscribe. That was the idea. You publish a feed, which is what we do, which is what the Coffee Codecast is. Just a feed. And it's a feed of shows and, and information like the, the title and the show notes and the duration of the episode. It includes a link to a file that you actually download and listen to. So little artwork in there. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty simple uh, transmission mechanism, and it's always been, up until this point, even with Apple, a very open platform. Like, Apple just kind of put it out there and let anybody use it. There was no cost. Uh, And now there's all these players that are joining into the industry. Spotify is another one, right? They just recently acquired Gimlet Media. So Gimlet owns one of probably the top five or ten podcasts that are out there. It's called Reply All. Yeah, yeah. Which is, I listen to all the time. I love it. But now that's under the Spotify umbrella. So they're, again, they're like trying to bring content into their ecosystem. Uh, You can use Spotify for free, but obviously there's, you know, advertising in there or you might have to pay for the premium subscription. So I guess I was just kind of wanted to talk a little bit about the state of podcasts and I'm a little concerned well, it's it's definitely changing the landscape. It's sim- it's kind of a land grab now for exclusive content and, and a, a, a premium model, uh, whereas before it was kind of like, hey, everybody gets everything and we're not going to... Um, you can find us everywhere. Um, yeah, I don't know how I feel about that. It's a little bit of an interesting problem to solve because currently as it is, the only way that you really make money through podcasts, especially like you think of the big players like Serial, right? Like they make money through sponsorships in the show itself. Mm -hmm. So, right, you're going to hear the Squarespace ads. You're going to hear the this ads, right, during the show. And the way that those typically work is that you're going to get paid by the thousands of downloads. So if you got downloaded 
we'll just say 50,000 times, boom. Each ad that you play, you get that much money. And in those cases, they're going to play multiple ads per show. Uh, so they're going to come out with pretty healthy amounts of money. A serial, I don't know how many times it got downloaded, like crazy amounts. Um, so that's really, at this point, the only way, well, one of the only ways, there's probably three ways that you can get paid. That's one, Patreon links, which is more or mm -hmm. less donations. That'd be yeah. another one. Uh, and then the other one would be just advertising um, or protecting, rather, your podcast app or feed itself. So in order to basically subscribe to the, the show, you would have to have some sort of password in order to get the show. So you've paid up front mm. to get the to get the content. So those are kind of the three ways that currently you can get podcasts um, paid, I guess, if you will. Um, but these are kind of the new things that people are wanting to acquire exclusive content. And I just don't think it's a good way, a good good way for the industry to go as a whole. Like, I think the reason that podcasts have kind of blown up as they have is much like the internet was like the internet was very open, a very free space. And because of that freedom, many, many, many things came out of it and grew out of it really, really quickly. And I think podcast is kind of the same way. So if you start to lock people in and lock things down, you're going to come up with a very, uh, I don't know, a hard walled garden that, that, that isn't going to be as easy to build upon any, any longer. It could work out if you're, if you're great. And if you are already at the top, then there could be some great negotiations and you could come out on top with the deal. Um, but I think of, I think of YouTube because YouTube is, is free still and YouTube is open, but they've been fucking with the algorithm so much lately that I know that a lot of people that had been getting, uh, their, their accounts have gone down. Like they've really tailored their algorithm towards what they want. And so it's not so much just a free market anymore. It's really about what they want to see on their, on the top page. And so that's interesting too, because they, they haven't really walled it off technically although they are fidgeting now with what shows up and so who loses out on this it's the little guys right like yeah shows like ours which whatever like we're we're completely unknown but even medium-sized guys are going to be squeezed out because now all it is is like the the big name shows which is great but then also like superstars or you know movie stars whatever people that are really well known and can get their their shows put onto a major platform like this they're going to be the ones that are going to be able to play in the industry and everybody else is going to get squeezed out. What's yeah. What sucks about that is it's no longer consumer driven. It's really about what you're willing to pay or what you're willing to sacrifice or what you're willing to do to, to get up top instead of just on your own merits. People love this and we're not fucking with it because it's great. And I think that's unfortunate too. The other thing too, that this also creates is like luminary itself as a player and so before it used to be that you would have your choice of player, right? You could go use Apple Podcasts. You could use uh, Overcast, which is another app. You could use Pocket Cast, which I use. You could listen to it on a website. You could listen to it through iTunes. You can listen to it a million different ways, right? You could download the, excuse me, download the MP3. But now you're locked into specifically Luminary's player. That's the only way you can listen to them, right? Yeah. Like that was one of the beauties of, of podcasting as a whole from the beginning is that like any any Joe Schmo that wanted to create an app for podcasting, great, create an app. It's open, right? As long as you conform to this spec, like you can play a podcast. And that was kind of a beautiful thing. There was tons of players. Reminds me a lot of like when Twitter was just beginning and there was like so many different Twitter apps. Like everybody was creating a Twitter app because like, oh, this one's better than this one. This one's better than this one, right? Um, and there was a ton of play in that space, tons of apps. And then all of a sudden Twitter was like, nope, we make the app. 
nobody can play in this space anymore. Wow. Or or they started to like slowly cramp down the APIs that were available to like third party apps. And so finally they started slowly dying off. Right. So now there's just the Twitter app, which personally I don't care for. I, I, I used to use Tweetbot a lot. Yeah. Um and, and they've been hamstrung pretty heavily now by what Twitter's done. So it reminds me a lot of that, and, and I don't think it's a good user experience for the end user. I think maybe it's good for them, obviously, as a, as a corporation and a company and to the bottom line, but the user does not benefit. It's good, good for monetization, not good for the end user, and it kind of puts, squelches innovation. It's not really about making the best thing or the healthy competition. It's just about uh, making more dollar. And I feel podcasting is kind of at its infancy right now, right? Like, it's been around for a very long time, don't get me wrong, but like... It just suddenly started catching on in a very large way with a lot of different people. Like everybody has podcasts, including us. Yeah. Um, it's a very, very popular thing and people are starting to take note. And so, yeah, now here comes the people that think they can make money from it in a, in a big way. So suddenly they want to close it off or, or wall off as much content as they can. Uh, really unfortunate. Yeah, it's sad, and it's it's only on the rise because the Gimlet thing. I just like all this stuff has really started to happen rapidly uh, in a short amount of time. So I just think this is just the tip. It's just it's just getting started. And even some stuff that I didn't even realize. I think you brought it up to me. Uh, Spotify. So Spotify recently got into podcasts pretty heavily. Yeah, uh, they opened up their system, and now you can submit. We're on Spotify, which is great. It's another easy way to listen to podcasts. But the interesting thing about them is like traditionally the way that you might measure how your podcast is doing is by downloads. Um, Spotify, uh, they download the episode themselves, store it on their servers, and then they give you metrics based on that file itself rather than your file being served by wherever it is that you store it on your host. So it's a little bit of a different uh, mechanism. So like, now, if I look at my metrics for our downloads, I have to look here, you know, on our system, as well as over here on Spotify, because they're managing one single file that they're distributing many, many, many times. So they're even starting to mess with the, the protocols and the way that podcasting has always run in the past. So it's it's changing. It's it's evolving, and not necessarily in a good way. Um, I think there are always going to be channels out there where you can free broadcasting. We'll we'll still exist but it's going to be very segmented and fragmented um as opposed to where it has been where it's just like one and done it's everywhere the fear would be like going back to the twitter example you know there's been a couple of different upstarts that have come up that have been like the open twitter i can't remember the names of them but there's been two or three that have come up mastodon or something i think was one maybe back in the day um and they've tried to come up and and replace twitter and kind of be the more open and the less corporate type model and they failed pretty miserably because you know once once that first person gets in the door and, and has established the market and been there a minute it's very very hard to push them out like it, it, damn near impossible so like you can bring up like that's what i fear is that okay now they're going to wall off such a segment of the market and it's going to kind of collapse part of it and then somebody's going to come up later and say oh here, here's open podcasting which we already have by the way that's what <laughs> yeah, podcasting I have is. a great idea <laughs> <laughs> and then somebody's going to try and reinvent it and it's not going to not going to happen. Ugh. We can't end it on that kind of a doom and gloom there. Oh, well, pick us up here. Let me get you one of these. There Ooh, you go. That was really quiet. Oh, let me do another one. There we go. That's a little better. Woo. Feeling good already. Uh, yeah, I don't have a whole lot. I don't have a whole lot to cover. I mean, some of this stuff was old stuff that we talked about before that we wanted to talk about and never got to. 
Um, this isn't on here, but have you, have you seen the Galaxy Fold? That's having a lot of problems. That's been that's been a bad day for all you people that spent two thousand dollars on the foldable phone, man. <laughs> Did you spend two thousand dollars on the foldable phone? No. You like your premium products? No. Is that, this not a premium? That product? wasn't premium product. <laughs> that was not premium. That was proof of concept at two grand a pop, man. How do you feel about foldable technology? Personally, I think it's kind of a gimmick. Well, yeah, I do too. I don't think that's where it's going. I, I like the idea of these foldable screens and what you can do with OLED and all this kind of stuff. I think that that part is very cool and it's very innovative because there's there's there are practical applications for this out there. I'm not sure having a phone that you can unfold is the uh, the one for me. It's kind of like that laundry thing you showed me the other day, the laundry folding machine for oh, they grand. folded though. Ha! <laughs> Literally, dude. Yeah, that went so well. It, fold, <laughs> it folded onto itself into bankruptcy. My, my dad would have been proud of that. <laughs> Good one, Kyle. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. I'm sure with their, they probably had some very sophisticated technology. It could probably do some really cool things. I'm not sure that um, putting into a $16,000 folding machine was the right use of the technology. So I'm curious, what, what like you said, it's cool technology is whatever. Like what, give me a use case as to what you would use a foldable device i you know i haven't had much time to think about this but i'm just imagining like what if i was maybe in a combat situation where, <laughs> you know because i'm fighting i'm fighting all these cougars everywhere man and i need to know <laughs> how, where i'm going and so i could imagine like having can you but think about having like a rolled up like a huge display like rolled up you know and like okay here's the map of what's going on or here's how we can like some so you're thinking, more, or? you're thinking more of a business or a military, like you're not thinking of a personal use case scenario. Yeah, not not right now. I'm, I'm sure it'd be kind of cool to have wallpaper that you could just glue on your wall. That would be a TV or something. I mean, that's coming too. So that's very interesting. And there's some cool things you could do with that around art. But but yeah, I'm thinking of more practical applications where you need a low power device that's going to you know, provide some visuals or do this or do that and, and be able to transport it and not have a 60 pound or a hundred pound display. I don't know, man. Field. Like I just think of like, <laughs> these things are just going to look like, I don't even have a good example, but like you think of these like jelly plastic type filmy screens and like you see them kind of curving and they get lumpy and just look <laughs> horrible. Like I can't imagine these are going to be any better than that. Like probably not. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not buying. I'm just soon. really not excited yeah. about this. I don't, <laughs> but that thing just looked really clunky. Cause it looked like a, it looked like two iPhones with a little hinge on it. Right. And I thought, why the fuck would you even want that? You're not like, I already, I, it's not to me, it's underwhelming because it's a lot of money just for the device itself. And it's not really as good as the iPhone because it's twice as thick, and it's not really as good as the iPad because it's half the size. So I don't know why I would why you'd want that. I'd rather just pay for both, and they have their own purpose. And what was the what was the issue that came out of it? Because I I know like it came out and there was a big you know big story about what happened, but I don't know exactly the details of like did it crack? Did it did it leave a crease? Like what what exactly happened to it? Do you know? Um, I mean, I all I know is that the damn I thought the monitor was just like the displays were, were not holding up. I thought, okay. I thought that people were having all kinds of problems with the displays from folding them. I don't know. Yeah. Don't know what happened here. I'm trying to find out. I didn't read too much into it. Like I said, I'm the, the whole thing just seems very gimmicky to me. I don't, I can't really think of a use case as to where I would ever care. Like 
I'm not going to set up, I'd, I'd, I'd go sit at my TV or sit at my laptop. I don't, I don't really see a time where I'm going to, you know, unfold my eight pane yeah. iPhone and That's right. <laughs> start watching something. Hang on a second. Let me, uh, <laughs> let me unfold this. It's kind of like an inflatable mattress. I yeah. Have my inflatable <laughs> phone here. The big screen's ready now. Yeah. yeah I know. I, I, I don't know. It seems awfully gimmicky to me, but yeah. that's just me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, don't buy one. There's shit right now. Well, thanks everybody for, uh, for that one for hanging in on this one because it was a it was a bumpy ride <laughs> it was a little bump. maybe the marks before the show aren't the best idea i don't know i disagree i think that was kind of nice all right well you can uh listen to uh, the coffee code cast is uh, recorded live in seattle washington every wednesday 9 p.m eastern 6 p.m pacific join us live at www.coffeecodecast.com slash live the artwork is provided by your the gentle giant Check out more of his illustrations at www.coffeecodecast.com slash gentle giant. Reach out to us at coffeecodecast, coffeecodecast at gmail.com, or you can reach out to us on the live Slack. The podcast is available from iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Radio Public, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can find all this and more at www.coffeecodecast.com. And uh, thanks for listening, everybody. I will say this, Microsoft Build May 6th, 7th, 8th. We're going to have some coverage coming up on that. We'll do a little preview next week and then get into the conference after that. All right. Good night.